So we've been talking and teaching on wisdom for a while. I'm going to continue in that vein. Today, I want to spend more time on what I call the Holy Spirit, my wisdom powerhouse. The Holy Spirit, my wisdom powerhouse. So we're going to be talking about how the Holy Spirit has given us the advantage in this world. Amen. And how to tap into it. Amen. The Holy Spirit, my wisdom powerhouse. Isaiah 11, chapter 2. Isaiah 11, verse 2, I mean. Isaiah 11, verse 2. Let's read it in the King James. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. In the Amplified Verse 3, it says, he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, neither decide by the hearing of his ears. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to be in your house. We've been enjoying our time with you this morning. We're just grateful. You do all things well. Now, Father, as we sit to partake of your word, let it go forth with power. Let it touch our lives. Let it renew our minds. Let it change us in the name of Jesus. We trust you, Lord, for understanding. I pray that my heart will overflow with a word from above, and I will be a mouthpiece for God today. And, Lord, my tongue will be like the pen of the ready writer in Jesus' name, that our hearts will be fertile ground, Lord, that no one will leave this place the same. We trust you, Holy Spirit as you help us this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Everyone said amen. amen. So we read Isaiah 11, verse 2 and 3, and we're talking about the Holy Spirit, my wisdom powerhouse. The Holy Spirit, my wisdom powerhouse. In that scripture, it says, the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom so we've been talking about how the Holy Spirit helps us, and particularly when I, I, I have taught, I have been talking about how the Holy Spirit can help us in um, our workplace, in the marketplace. And Pastor has been teaching broadly, in depth, and the pe people have been giving me feedback that they're really blessed by this series. Have you been blessed so far? Amen. Amen. So I want to ask that. And we'll make this available if you want a CD set of it, let us know. Or you just go online to our website and the podcast and go listen to it. I have people from outside of this city that are going through this, learning from it, and being blessed. It's not just to hear it, it's to actually do the things that are being taught. Amen. Wisdom that is mentioned in Isaiah 11.2 says, that wisdom, that word, Wisdom, I know it by heart now in the Hebrew, is chokmah. It's, it's spelled C-H-O-K-M-A-H, but it's like chokmah, like uh, H, like you pronounce it that way. 
And it, it means wisdom, skill, experience, shrewdness, technical ability. It also means that um, the Lord can give you what it takes to get your job done. Amen. But today I want to talk about the supernatural aspect of wisdom, not the one we, we've talked about how, yes, you can get, the Holy Spirit gives you wisdom, and then you can go ahead and it gives you this, you know, on ability to learn very quickly. It gives you this ability to, things you've not read before, never heard before, something that should take you two weeks, within an hour you grasp it. You know, that, that's one of the things we've talked about. So if you go back and listen to the messages, you'll see that we've talked about the different kinds of things. But today, technical ability. So if you look at Exodus 28, verse 3. Exodus 28, verse 3. And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they make Aaron's garments to consecrate him. So the Holy Spirit or God fills you with wisdom, but not to prophesy. It's not, oh, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Now I have the gift of healing or miracle walk, walker or something like that. Those are all manifestations of the Spirit. But in this case, this person was filled with wisdom to know how to make clothes. Thought, have you thought about that? That you can be a seamstress or you can be um, a mechanic or you can be somebody, you could be a plumber, you could be an architect, you could be a nurse, and you can do it supernaturally as opposed to, oh, I went to school, I learned it. Those are all good, may give you a foundation. But the Bible says here, that some people had been filled with the spirit of wisdom. These people were assigned to make Aaron's garments that he was to wear for his high priest role. Amen. So that wisdom, every time we're talking of wisdom in church, always think of how does it manifest. It's not necessarily spiritual, spooky, mystical. It's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. No, 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 no. It can be quite clear, like, <laughs> there's nothing spooky about it. The Holy Spirit can walk through you so that you are just like, but they call you a genius, though. That's how the, you will appear to be like a genius because you would not know it on the level of the average person. It will be a supernatural ability. Amen. Amen. Proverbs 8, I wanted to go to Proverbs 8, 11. I want to read this one in the King James because I like the rendering in King James. Proverbs 8, 11 and 12. For wisdom is better than rubies and all things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. What is an invention? Or who is an inventor? Let's go. Let's, let's do class. Who is an inventor or what is an invention? Anybody? Alexander Bell. Alexander Bell. Yeah, that's, that's an example. What did he invent? Don't you be going down a path that you don't remember the details. <laughs> the what? Telephone. Telephone. Thank you. Any other inventor? Do you remember this black guy? Oh, what is his name? I can't believe I forget his name. I think he was... Thank you. How could I forget? I studied that guy over and over. 
George Washington Carver. Ever heard of him? Who found 300 ways to use peanuts? Oh, and everybody, they had him in the House of Congress, joint House of Congress, just to listen to him in Washington, D.C. He just walks through the woods and he knows different, he says it's almost like the trees and the flowers are speaking to him. He goes into his laboratory and he just knows what to do. He says he hears the voice of God as he walks through the woods. The knowledge, wisdom dwells, the knowledge of witty inventions. And I like the King James because it's using an old word, witty. It, it means that part of you that brings ideas together in a manner that is unusual and striking. Everybody eats, have you ever eaten a peanut before out of its shell? Come on, people, help me here. Have you eaten peanut out of its shell? Does it look like you can get 300 inventions from that little peanut out of his shell? He's made rubber. He's made Henry Ford. He, he, he designed something that Henry Ford was going to, he said he would not sell it. It has to be in the public domain. They were going to pay him hundreds of thousands of dollars just for that invention. He said No. That's George Washington Carver, a black man in the South. I think it was Alabama, or was it Alabama? Come on. I didn't prepare for it. I would have given you all the details. But that's to let you know. One, he was black when nobody really wanted to be black. All the people that were black were slaves at that time. And he was the son of slaves. But the president was his friend. They, they put together a joint house of Congress just to listen to him. And then they said, okay, we'll give you 20 minutes. For two hours, they were still there, just dazed at him, just amazed. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. Knowledge of witty inventions. And the one we read before, it says, speak to all those who are wise-hearted whom I have Filled with the spirit of wisdom. So example of witty inventions was that one where they were creating clothes, special clothes. Another example is in Exodus 30, 31 verse 3. Let's look at what the witty invention is in, in this case. God is saying to Moses, I have filled him, the name of the person is, um, I forget the name now. I have filled him with the spirit of God, given him skill. Let's read it in the message. Put it up, please, in the message translation. I have filled him with the spirit of God, given him skill and know-how and expertise in every kind of craft. Now, verse 4, so message translation, verse 4, to create designs and walk in gold, silver, and bronze. So you know people who make ornaments? Those who sit down and create designs and are worth sometimes hundreds of thousands. If you've ever looked at the red carpet when you know maybe it's an Oscar night or, and you see those things, those things are worth a lot of money. This guy, this particular guy, was filled with the Spirit of God and 
the manifestation of being filled with the Spirit of God was a know-how and expertise in creating designs and work in gold, silver, and bronze, and to, and to cut and set gemstones to carve wood. He knew how to do that because the Holy Spirit filled him. If you go to verse um, Exodus 35 in the um, message translation, I'm going to read from verse 30 to 35. Moses told the Israelites, see, see, God has selected Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. Watch this. Sometimes it's like God is always, uh, the Bible says son of, son of, who cares? No, it tells you that God knows who you are. He's not confusing you, comfort, with the other comfort down. No, no, no. It's the comfort that was born by Mary that lives in Bedford on. That's why God goes down. Son of, son of, son. We know exactly who the gift is going to. <laughs> Amen. So he's like, Lord, don't pass me by. I'm here. Always make your relationship with God that personal. Because he know, you remember when he sent an angel to Mary? He said, Mary, who lived in Nazareth, the daughter of a spouse to, is like, Gabriel, you can't miss this one. This is the, there are many Marys. And if you ever read the New Testament, you find that there are many Marys. There's Mary Magdalene, Mary the sister. Mary had a sister called Mary. Have you ever read it? Go read it. So when God was telling Gabriel, said, Gabriel, you go to this Mary who lives in Nazareth, who is engaged to, this is her street address, this is where she is. Don't you dare go to Mary. <laughs> Amen? So when he says in Exodus 35, to Bezaliel, son of Uri, son of Hor, of the tribe of Judah, that's specific. This is the person about to be filled. In verse 31, he says, he's, he's filled him with the spirit of God, with skill, ability, and know-how for making all sorts of things, to design and walk in gold, silver, and bronze, to carve stones and set them, to carve wood, walking in every kind of skilled craft. Then, 34, He's also made him a teacher. This is a manifestation of the presence of the Holy Spirit. This is not he went to school. Amen. He may have had, you know, it may have been a hobby or, or he may not even have had an interest. But God needed somebody to do it and he was not going to get angels to come create these things. He wanted to use a human so he filled that person with his Holy Spirit and then gave them specific gifts. Amen. Let's look at David. Remember we talked a lot about David and Solomon. Solomon was to build this magnificent temple. There's no temple that has been built like that since then. It was built that way. Even the second temple, you know, enemies came, tore it down, and they rebuilt it. It was never as glorious as the first one in the physical sense. But it was not Solomon that came up, one, first with the idea or the design of it. Let's see. In First Chronicles 28, let's use the HCSB version. HCSB version. First Chronicles 28, 12. 
This is David saying, the plans contained everything he had in mind for the courts of the Lord's house, all the surrounding chambers, the treasuries of God's house, and the treasuries for what is dedicated. Also included were plans for the divisions of the priest. So you had plans for organization, for the governance. For This is, if, if you've ever been in leadership structure, you will understand that there are ways companies work. There are things that they do. There's a specific way. Things are ordered. David was a shepherd boy, remember? All, when he went to school, he went to school of doing meh, meh, following sheep, taking care of sheep. He was not, <laughs> he didn't have MBA in administration. No, he did not. He did not have the ability to design like an architect, yet he drew all the plans. This is the knowledge of witty inventions. Amen. Amen. Our advantage. Our spirit is your ace. He's our advantage. He really is our advantage. And today I want to focus on how we tap into that. Let's go all the way to verse 19. He, 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 you know, the, the, from 12 to 19, tells us all the different things he put down in the plan. And he handed this whole plan and, and, it's, and the little model. He even had it, the model. You know how architects design and then they build um, little models? Have you ever been into a hospital where they're planning to build a new wing and somewhere as you're going, they have it in this glass case, you know? The, the architect has drawn the plan, then they build a mini version of that thing, that new building or with all the fountains, everything, and then they encase it. That's what David handed over to Solomon, said, go build it. But how did David know how to do that? And in verse 19, it says, uh, HCSB, David concluded, by the Lord's hand on me, he enabled me to understand everything in writing, all the details of the plan. And yet David was not as wise as Solomon because we heard that Solomon was the wisest. So wisdom gives you knowledge of witty inventions. Amen. So the key is to be filled with the Spirit of God. Be filled with the Spirit of God. So when it says in that Exodus 35 verse 31, it said he has filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, and all manner of workmanship. That's the King James. Wisdom, understanding, knowledge. So I've told you what wisdom is. Understanding is ability or capacity to comprehend the different parts of a work. So it's like, okay, this is what we're going to do. But then you need the ability to, the little parts, how do they come together? What comes first? And God filled him with that. Because God can give you all this big plan and you don't know. Where do you go? Which one do you pick first? And if you go put A after Z, when Z should have come before A, the whole thing is messed up. So he gives you the understanding and then the practical know-how. Amen. So, but the key is to be filled. And that means that you are filled to almost to overflowing. Children of God should not, not, should not, um, oh, we're missing out on a lot. If you don't have a personal relationship, active relationship with the Holy Spirit, 
you are missing out on a lot of things. I'll give you a very simple example. Many times, because when you are busy, like uh, women are multitasking, like they're doing like six different things at one time. One child is crying, you're holding that one behind this one. Uh, you're cooking, stirring something on, on the stove. You are getting ready for work. I mean, you're kind of doing, now men, sorry, but I don't see men able to juggle all these things. Women are just there, just, and they get to work on time at 8 a.m., they are there. They clock in. How they did it from 5 a.m. to 8, don't ask. The whole thing is like you're doing 10 things, and then here you are, you are at work. And at work, you completely remove that brain of all that multitasking. You put it, you're using now this other side of your brain, which is just, you're just a nurse. As when, the, when your shift is over, you shift the brain again, put that nurse brain, put it in one corner, you move into mom, wife, so you are multitasking. And as you are doing all of that, you are juggling, you are juggling. But there, you can juggle like that for years and just be mundane and just be average. I mean, what you're doing is not average, raising kids or being a wife or being a sister or being a, a, um, a daughter, taking care of your parents. It's, it's not mundane, but I believe there's more. God has more. And if you do not engage the Holy Spirit, you're going to be just like the next person. And we should not be like that because the Holy Spirit is our advantage. In first. Corinthians chapter 12, let's start to move into the New Testament now, because that's where I really want to go. I've told you witty inventions, but the Holy Spirit, the key is to be filled, because all these people doing all these things were filled. And in those days, Jesus had not come. The Holy Spirit didn't really reside in people, just a handful. It was on, on them. They'll say, oh, the Spirit of God came on him, yeah. But really, living in people, not really. But now we're Christians, and when Jesus left, he said, I will send the Holy Spirit, he will be in you. So every one of you, if you've given your life to Christ here, you have the Holy Spirit. Now, do you have him to overflow him is a different question. But you cannot be born again without the Holy Spirit, so you have the Holy Spirit. But this is the same Holy Spirit that fills you with the knowledge of witty inventions. So how many times have you found 500 things made out of um, on the palm front? You, that we are sitting here. <laughs> but George Washington Carver found 300 ways to use the peanuts. The question is, was it, why was it so special? And you, you've only found out how to use all the peanuts. Anything he created, you found a way of using <laughs> But he created it. He just was not into money. He didn't exploit it. But he was never poor either. But he just, he could have been a millionaire, maybe in today's standards, billionaire several times over. So that's to say to you that there are, some people tap into it and some people don't. And the question is, why not? Why not? So in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7, this scripture caught my attention, and for a while I've just been chewing on it. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Or if you, let's read it in the King James. 
um, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with her. The manifestation, the fact that the Holy Spirit is within you gives you an advantage. In other translations, it says it gives you an advantage. The man, not the residing of the Holy Spirit, but the manifestation that is evidence that he's there gives you an advantage. Every human that is born again and has the Holy Spirit should have a leg up. You know how you wish you knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody that could get something done? You already do. Amen. You already do. You, you have living in you the most powerful person in the universe. I don't know how, I know we just walk past these things, but as we dig into it, as you start to understand who the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not just breathing on people, receive the Holy He's not a breath. He's, the Holy Spirit is God. Actually, God. There are three persons in one God. So you have a portion of the almighty God of the universe residing in you. I'm talking of power that we cannot even, our minds cannot comprehend. If the Holy Spirit were to reveal and, you know, do all that he's able to do, I mean, we couldn't even contain him. I mean, we're talking of God now, God Almighty. But just that little part that he's willing to manifest in you, if we will let him, because then again, as powerful as he is, he's a gentleman. He will not push his way through. So residing in you, I'm starting to find this thing so powerful. I was in a meeting this week talking with a few people and we were trying to kind of prepare for something. And the general thing for that particular thing is people would talk, 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 talk. People we almost fight and slap each other. So I said, don't worry. What we're going to do is this. We're going to talk through this and we're going to talk it to life. Because usually you say you talk it to death. They stop. Wait, wait, what did you say? I said, we're going to talk it to life. I said, ooh, I like that. I said, yeah, we're talking this to life because usually people are almost killing each other on this particular issue. I said, no, we're talking it to life. I've never been bold enough to actually use scripture like that in a secular conversation in the, mid, in the midst of leaders. I said, we're talking it to life. They said, yes, I like that. I said, yeah, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're talking it to life. And things that for, there were issues for like eight, nine months, they've been chewing on it. I said, okay, can you set up a meeting for me tomorrow? I want these people, these are the people I feel ought to be in that meeting. I don't have more than 30 minutes. We're doing 30 minutes of it. Get all the leaders there, set it up. I'll be there. Let's go. We got there. So I said, wait, let me, let me, let me set, let me put this in context. Let me set this. So I said, let's identify what the problem is here. We identify what the problem is. I said, okay, this is, this is, by the time we finished, 30 minutes, we had done 50 to 70% of it, for something for 10 months. That's not me, I can tell you. But that's the power residing in me. And I thought, why have I not been using this power? You just walk in 
and there is solution. And when people start going, say, no, 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 that's not why we're here. This is why we are here. And we're solving this today before we leave. <laughs> Everybody said, no, 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 that's already passed. We have it here. And I keep telling, we can solve it. We'll do it. We'll get it done. Not tomorrow, today. And here you are, you are superimposing the power of life. You are superimposing. The people are telling you it can't be done. No, no, no. You say it can be done. Not you, really. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And how do you contact this power? How do you contact it? So that's what I want to talk to you about today. The human wisdom and God's wisdom, they're two different things. So I could have gone to school. All the things I'm talking to them about, I've never really gone to school for them. But I know there's a problem that needs to be solved. So here is my mind. You know that you are spirit, soul, body. Can somebody tell me what the soul is? What's the soul component? We've talked about this in our church so many times. But I believe we all know. Is your mind, your will, emotions, so you know it's that it's also the part of you that receives things from the five senses. So what are the five senses? Your hearing, sight, taste, smell, touch. Let's go again. Five senses. Smell, sight, huh? Taste, hearing, touch. My kids know this thing. I knew. That's why I wanted to go over it. Just to show how smart they are. <laughs> but you know what? That's how we make decisions. You get all these impulses. They just come at you very fast. This one said this. That one said that. This one said this. And then you make your decisions based on that. But in Isaiah 11 that we read, he said he will not judge according to the sight of his eyes or the hearing of his ears. He said, the spirit of wisdom will rest upon him, but he will not judge based on sight, hearing, smell, touch. But that's how we do it every day. That's the human mind. That's the way it's... But now the Lord wants to superimpose supernatural over the natural. Amen. Are you with me? Isaiah 11.3. You will make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes. He will not reprove after the hearing of his ears. And there is a reason why you don't want to do that. Because all that you are seeing going on right now is not based, what you see is not what is actually there. <laughs> this is not magic. But, but So remember there are two parts. We have the seen realm and the unseen realm. Amen? So we're in class this morning. Don't you be having that glazed look. Be here. <laughs> there is a seen and the unseen. So you see me here, but what you don't see are two hefty angels behind me. You can't see them, but they're there. About 10 feet tall, very muscular. You don't want to mess with them, but they're there. So if you come against me and you're trying to mess with me, don't judge after the sight of your eyes because you may not like where you find yourself. <laughs> True story. There was a missionary in Africa. 
the villagers or the tribal people, this was a long time ago, when you know, things were not as, you know, how do you say, civilized as it is. And they decided they were going to kill him. And they were making all this chants and surrounded the tent in which he was. And they came and they were ready. And he just fell on his knees praying because he was the only one I didn't know what he was going to do. He didn't know what he was going to do. Then eventually they went away and he said, what happened? Later on they told him that they saw all these hefty, mighty men around his tent. They were afraid. You know, they had their spears. This was a long time ago. Spears and everything chanting. So what you see is not all that there is. So if you're judging according to the sight of your eyes, guess what? You are mistaken. And the supernatural wisdom of God takes you into a realm that the average natural mind can't go. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, it says the natural mind, the natural man can't receive the things of the spirit. So if you are somebody who is natural, men tend to be in this way, but I've met many women. You have to think, everything has to make sense. If you are walking with God, you, are going, you, you will not be able to walk with God for too long. This is the truth. Because there's a God you can't see. But he's there. There's a Holy Spirit living in you. You can't see him. You can't feel him. You can't touch him. But guess what? He's there. There are angels that are supposed to guide you, uh, guard you, protect you. If you are having anxiety and panic attacks, attacks repeatedly, it tells me that you do not know that those angels are there for real. I'm not saying in your mind you have imagination. I'm saying for real they're there. So if you are somebody who is very natural, the Bible says the natural man, the Greek says the sutikos, that is the man that is given to the soul, is driven and controlled by his soul realm, where your senses, everything makes sense. If you are like that, you can't walk with God for too long. You can't. Remember last week we were talking about tithes and offering, saying the only way you can give tithes and offering is if you do it in faith. That's the only way you can do it because it doesn't make sense any other way. Why would I, without even this month has started, I'm already putting 10% aside when I've not paid all my bills? It doesn't make sense. But if you are somebody who works with sense, you cannot pay your tithe. You can't. It doesn't make sense. And yet the Lord says you will have more than when you started. It doesn't make sense. But for some of us who live like that from month to month, year to year, and I've been living that, that since my teenage years, it makes perfect sense. You can't move me away from it. <laughs> but if you are, but that's because I am not a sutikos man. I am a pneumaticos, that is, a spirit-controlled person. Amen. So when you are thinking of that, you don't judge. The Holy Spirit is your advantage. First, um, first John, the epistle of John, First John 2. It says, there, verse 27, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. So first uh, epistle of John, chapter 2. Let's start from verse 20, HCSV. You have an anointing from the Holy One. So the Holy Spirit is in you. It's an anointing. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a minister. The minute you got born again, the Holy Spirit anoints you. You know that anointing for witty invention? It's called anointing, unction. You have it already. 
And then in verse 27, it says, he remains in you. John 14, 26 says, he will teach you all things. That's the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. How many times have you woken up and looked at your job, whatever the job is, and said, Holy Spirit, I need help? How many times? But he says, he'll teach you. So you have to cultivate that active presence. This is the part I'm really excited about. I want to do something about Luke 24, verse 49. If you have it in the message translation, let's put it up there. Luke 24, 49. Just Jesus' last time with the disciples before he went to heaven and would not, we will not see him until he comes in the rapture. This was his discussion with them, Luke 24. He says, what comes next? He had told them the different things that were going to happen then in verse 49. What comes next is very important. I am sending what my father promised you, so stay here in the city until he arrives, until you are equipped with power from on high. So there is, when you are born again, the Holy Spirit comes on you. Then there is an equipping that's different. What we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit is absolutely different. I've shared my testimony how I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was a teenager. I heard about it. I was in boarding school. We had all these people who had graduated. They were now in colleges to come visit us. And I kept hearing, there's this thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I would listen to them, hear them, hear them. I hear them, so they, would, they laid hands on, on us. I didn't know. After a while, I didn't want to look like I was not, you know, in the thing. So I would I had my brother. He's late now. He was a year and a half ahead of me, so, but we were in the same grade. But he was in another boarding school in that city across town. He got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So we all went home on vacation. So everybody started praying. He said, let's pray in the Spirit. He kind of went into spirit. Eventually he said, that's not the baptism. <laughs> But I try very hard. I was listening to what people said, and I was like, you said, mm-mm. <laughs> Even I knew it wasn't, but I didn't want to stand, you know, stand. And when everybody was like praying, I was only, I think, 16. So that's what I'm telling you, teenagers, you can do this thing from, from way young. I was praying. Shut up. <laughs> because that's what he sounded like to me. He said, no. And you know what? My life didn't change. There was no anything different. I was just the same old, same old. But my brother was fired up. So I knew there was something missing. So finally, I finished, graduated from that boarding school, high school. I went into college. And then there was this prayer leader there. This prayer leader, he came and he started talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I owned up. I, I knew I didn't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I waited after. We call it fellowship. It was a gathering of students where they all came together. And I told him, I need, the, I need this thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
So he said, I think I was about 18 now, or I can't remember how old I was. I said, I need this thing. So he said, come, let me pray for you. So he prayed. The minute he laid his hands on me, I don't know where I was. I didn't fall out. I didn't. I just started. I, I found myself weeping and this words coming out. I knew I got it. I was there for like an hour just praying. My life changed suddenly. I was witnessing. You could not stop me from witnessing. Everywhere I went, I was witnessing. In fact, in that particular college, and it was like an intermediary college before I went to med school, I went there. They called me Sister Faith. Everyone in the dorm, if you had not heard me preach, there was something wrong. I couldn't hold it. That's when I knew I had the baptism. Its power just hits you from on high. Now, that power causes you to witness, but that power is also the one that gives you this witty inventions. That's what I want to tell you about. Jesus told them, as we were reading in Luke 24, he says, don't go anywhere until he arrives, until you are equipped with power from on high. He told them that. And the Bible says those were the last things he said to them. Don't go anywhere. If Jesus told them don't do anything without that power, why do we think in this day and age that we can do much without the power of the Holy Ghost? If you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, please seek him. Because it's the fastest and the easiest thing to do. He's longing to pour himself. It is not that you don't have the Holy Spirit. It's that you, do, you are not overflowing with him. There is a difference. I can tell you, I told you now. There is a difference. And that's where that powerhouse of wisdom comes from. That's where boldness, before, I used to be very timid. I mean, I could talk, 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 but when people were, you know, the real people were there, I, couldn't, I, couldn't, I didn't say much. After I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's nowhere. You can put me in the room with the Queen of England. I'm never shy. I can't be stopped. I call it as it is, and I tell you this is what we're going to do. That is not the real me. That is the power of God. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he told them, don't go anywhere. In Acts 1, verse 4, read it in the message translation. Jesus was talking to them before he left. He told them they were on no account. Don't go without the Holy Spirit. On no account to leave Jerusalem, but you must wait for what the Father promised. Don't leave. Don't leave, he said. In verse 8, he says in Acts 1.8, what you will get, let's read it in the message translation, what you will get is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be able to be my witnesses. That's why I can be bold anywhere, any company, anywhere, any audience. You can't shut me down. There is a boldness that comes upon you. It's not you. It's not your personality. It is the power. He says, you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Verse 9 in the message. These were his last words. Don't go anywhere without the Holy Spirit. Those were his last words. 
How can you be without the baptism of the Holy Spirit? When Jesus said this is the thing you can absolutely not be without. It is paramount, especially in the marketplace, where your skin color matters, where your accent matters, where your gender matters. This is the only leg up you need. Nobody can shut you down. Not if the power of God is surging through you. They can't. You are fierce. They look at you and they can't. The Bible says, I will give you wisdom that they cannot gainsay. This is the power of the Holy Ghost. And how do you contact it? You contact it by, so one, you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. There are two ways to use. And when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the first evidence is speaking in tongues. There are two ways, because people get confused on this. When we're in a meeting, there's a public use of speaking in tongues, and there's a private use. The public use of speaking in tongues, the Bible says, if you're going to speak loud, and everybody's prophesying or something, and you're going to speak loud in the Spirit, and you're giving a message in the Spirit, then don't do it unless there's somebody who can interpret, because there's another gift called interpretation of tongues. But there is a private use. The one I've been telling you about is the private use of the Holy Spirit. Part of our curriculum in the children's church, and I don't know if we're still doing it, because I designed that curriculum. There is a day when we lay hands on our kids to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The earlier you get it, the better. You are a world changer before you, you even know your name. It is paramount. You are not cookie, you are not weird, you are just different. You are not going into the boardroom and saying, Rabakote, Levashi. No, no. But before you step in the boardroom in your office, you shut the door and say, Lord, come on now. Uh-huh. You can't, you don't know how often I do that. Before they come in, I've already prayed all over the place. And what you are doing, though, is you are, you are downloading. The Bible says, he who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks mysteries. The Holy Spirit does not download any wisdom into your soul realm. The Holy Spirit downloads wisdom into your spirit. How does your spirit now put it in the soul realm where you need it? So to download it, one of the fastest ways is to pray in the spirit. Simple example, I lose my keys. And you know, pastor has told you how somehow I don't remember to put my keys. <laughs> my keys, keys where I should. And then it's time to go and I'm almost late. And here I'm looking for my keys. And I'm too embarrassed to ask any human in the house where my keys are. <laughs> because if I had done what I was supposed to do, that is come in, park the car, hang the bunch of keys. You will be there. That makes sense. I don't know why I can't remember to do it. Many times, and many times it's so critical that I leave that time. I say, Holy Spirit, I've done it again. I've done it again. I can't find my keys. You know, that's the worst thing about the keys. You can't call it. You know how you can call your phone? So I start praying. I pray for us. Holy Spirit, show me where this thing is. Nothing happened. Then I start to pray in the spirit. Rakiya la masikete, Lord, keys, rechete le ma. 
I, I kid you not, 30 seconds, I'll find it. And it's not just find it. It's buried under, there is no way I could have found that. This happened to me so many times. My grandmother was the first person that kind of guided me to that. She didn't know about, eventually before she died around age 80 something, we laid hands on her and we, she got baptized in the Holy Spirit. We were in our late teens then. But when we lose things and she saw us all just flustered, she said, she said it in her tongue, call on Jesus, call on Jesus. She didn't know much like we all dig into the word. She just said, call on Jesus. Then when I understood baptism of the Holy Spirit, because the Spirit, Holy Spirit knows exactly where those things are. I downloaded, this has never failed me. It has never failed me. The only time, okay, let, I'll take that back. The only time I was praying for something in Dinkum was, I found out later that my husband had hidden it. He found that thing and he hid it to show me Pepe. <laughs> it was so crucial and he hid it. It's like, look, this is where you're, is this, is this where you're supposed to put this thing. <laughs> he hid it. I looked and looked. Then when I, at my wit's end, I had no clue what I was going to do. It goes into one place where he hid it. I said, oh, I found this thing. Are you looking for it? It's like, ah! I was so angry. But I was just so grateful. It was so important. It was a certificate. My college certificate. I just got in a new job and they asked for it. And he had seen it. And he just said, look at where she kept this thing. So he picked it up, hid it. I prayed. Walked, prayed in the spirit, walked all over. Nothing. So I learned my lesson. But that's to tell you how powerful, how powerful it is. So that public use, you need interpretation. That is, if you are going to take the mic and speak in tongues, the Bible says if there's no interpreter, you, don't, you just keep quiet. Last scripture. He who speaks... And a tongue edifies himself. First Corinthians 4, 14, verse 4. Amplified. He who speaks in a strange tongue or unknown tongue edifies and improves himself. So for you personally, speaking in tongues builds you up, gets you better in your walk with God, makes you bold, helps you download God's wisdom. So always remember there's a difference in the personal use of speaking in tongues and the public use of it. 1 Corinthians 14.4, that was. 1 Corinthians 14.15 says, what is the conclusion then? 1 Corinthians 14.15, I will pray with the Spirit and I will also pray with my understanding. You do both. Don't shortchange yourself by saying, oh, if I don't understand it, no. So what I'm going to do today is this. I'm going to end our service here. I'm going to be here for a few minutes. Anybody who has not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, this doesn't take long. Trust me. I'll be here. I want you to come. Let me lay hands on you. You don't need to be anointed lay hands on you, pray for you, and get you baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence 
of speaking in tongues. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Amen? Wake up in the morning. Take time. Pray in the spirit. Get your spirit charged up. Download wisdom for the day. Download wisdom for the day. And then during the day, if you find anything, you are stuck and you don't know where to go, where to turn, pray in the spirit for a few minutes, a couple of minutes, and let your spirit connect and download and your mind will pick up on it and know what to do. He is our powerhouse for wisdom. Amen. Just talk to the Lord for a minute here. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank him for the advantage you have in life. And commit that you, if you're already baptized in the Holy Spirit, will interact with the Holy Spirit more and more and engage his wisdom by praying more, especially praying with your spirit. The Bible says, I will pray with my spirit and I will pray with my understanding. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, we're so grateful you connected us again back to our roots, to whom the Holy Spirit is, and all that he's longing to do, to guide us, to teach us, to lead us, and to put us above and over, and to make us the head and not the tail, to make us bold as a lion, to make us um, just ahead of the game with witty inventions. We key into that this morning, this afternoon. We recognize that in ourselves we're nothing, we're just average or maybe even below average. But with the advantage of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life, we can do all things. Nothing will be impossible. And we are above only. So Holy Spirit, we open ourselves up to you today. We ask in the name of Jesus that you renew, renew your presence in our lives, fresh oil, fresh anointing. Some of us have laid you aside like laying something on the shelf while you really are the center of our lives. We reconnect with you, Holy Spirit. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Father, thank you for this week. As we go forth, we receive your presence. We receive your help. We receive your grace, your joy, and miracles galore. In Jesus' name, this is a victorious week. In Jesus' name, amen. I share the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with us now and forevermore. Amen. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Amen.